0: Welcome to episode three of the Game Changer podcast with Norris and Julie. Thank you for following us this week and listening and telling your friends. We have another great show in store for you today.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited to speak to Mr. Richard Armenta. Old high school friends are in track together, had some of the same coaches interactions. And it's just going to be neat to see how God has used this man. He's now an entrepreneur, has his own ministry now the right combination and just tells you about the trials and tribulations of his life and again how God came in and took someone who was down takes the ordinary and does extraordinary things with him so very very excited to talk to Richard had a great time just reminiscing we hated the 500 days when we had to run those and we had yeah. coach gay I mean just some great memories so we again are excited to talk to this young man.
0: Absolutely. And Richard is always happy to share his story. He has come to know the Lord and how it was not a perfect road for him, but how his life has just become more than anything he ever imagined because because of his relationship with the Lord. Did I just say imagine? Imagine? <laughs> I think Richard would imagine that I could say imagine, but his story is one that really can just really encourage anyone out there who is struggling or thinks that they have never done anything well or right
1: yes and as you know when you listen to richard's story it's a great story imagine romans 12 12 where it says rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation be consistent in prayer and i believe that's one of the things that that richard would tell you when you i've met richard known him for a long time he, he's a very optimistic young man but he would tell you, you got to have hope. You got to be consistent in prayer and you got to endure through tribulation. So when you listen to his story again, it it's a, an ordinary person doing extraordinary things by the power of God. We can all do these things when we surrender and I let God use us. And not every game changer. I mean, every second of life is not fun. And a lot of times, you know, what I'm learning about God is that he doesn't give his children everything they want because then we become spoiled of brats. A lot of the trials and tribulations that we go through, it's using to sharpen us, to shape us, so that we can minister to other people and also that we are more reliant upon him. Because one of the things I do is that when everything is given to me and everything's going good, I think it's Norris. And God has to say, yeah. no, it's not you. Let's not forget this. <laughs> so again, enjoy this story think about romans 12 12 again it says rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation be consistent in prayer we are so excited to have you on game changer podcast richard armenta seeing your story and i want to start off with this verse today in romans chapter 12 and i do believe it's verse 12 it says be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, mm-hmm. faithful in prayer. And when we hear your story, it kind of, I've been reading this verse over and over. And I think this may apply to your story because your story is amazing how God can do stuff in people's lives. And we want you to tell us about that game changing moment. Um, you've gone from, from a new marriage to starting your own business, yeah. to preaching the gospel, I saw you doing some ministry. Yeah, so we want to hear the game-changing moment in your life and how God has just transformed you and is using you to advance His kingdom.
2: Yeah, man, it's 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 uh it's it's definitely a God story. I listened to that, you know, um that scripture you just used. It's a joy joyful patient and hopeful you know and, and it's it's the patient right that they that, that, exactly. that have to work through man because like, uh, yes. you know, um you know i it's just so often that we're in the middle of things and of course i'm like anybody else right when, when you're in the thick of things and things are going crazy and, and things aren't happening or maybe it's silent god's being silent and if you're new to if you're new in your walk you don't even know if you're you hear something you just you feel like nothing's happening And that's just, that's that time of being patient with the Lord, because, I mean, you know, it's like, man, if I had to think, how patient has that man been with me? How patient has (laughs) the Lord been with me? (laughs) You know, and so, but um, yeah, I, I just, man, I just think about everything that I've walked through, everything God brought me through, you know, to be blessed in the way that I am today, you know, and those, every one of those little things that are, that I look at game changing moments, just the way I, just the way I handled you know, just trials and tribulations in the past, you know, now look at it, you know, and I remember, man, I remember the first time walking through a a tough situation and knowing what I would used to do, you know, and knowing that now now that I'm trying to walk this new life out in Christ and knowing that it's like, okay, I can't do it that way. I'm not going to handle that that way, you know, whether it be getting upset at somebody or yelling at somebody or just going out and doing my own thing and just, you know, just forgetting it. And just, I remember just walking through that patiently as we were talking about and trusting and faith and having faith in the Lord and saying, and, and and it's like, I can, it was like a vivid moment to me that when I got through this thing and got on the other side, I was like, wow, I just walked through this fire and there's victory. I felt this, I felt this relief of victory of, I just got through a tough situation and it all smoothed out. And I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do it. You know, I didn't, I didn't act out of, out, of, out of ill. I didn't say ill words. I didn't do this. And so you know, to me, that was one of the first times that I recognized, as you can say, a game-changing moment. Yeah. It's and like, let oh, me interrupt
1: hey, you for a moment because this. I understand the three of us went to high school together. So this story begins way back in Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. We need to, yeah,
0: We got to fill everybody in here for a second because yes. we're just jumping right in, which is what, one thing we always want to do. We didn't know that nobody has time for chit chat and yeah. that, <laughs> so we always just jump right in, but we have known each other for an awful long time. And, you know, you guys are rock stars. You've always been rock stars. People have looked up to you and watched everything you did. Y'all are both tremendous athletes and at a, you know, golly Lubbock Texas we're all from the one place in America that everybody thinks is holy crap why would you want to be from Lubbock Texas and I wouldn't it's want the to best be place. Else.
1: Amen, amen.
0: <laughs> and I mean just our school experiences are so different in and what we felt like at Monterey and you know Norris and I always laugh about how different we saw things and, mm, and not the yes. way people expected us to look at things you know I was kind of the liberal one and he's always Mr. Conservative so uh, Richard, we're just so glad you're here and we just yeah. love you. And we're so, so thankful and grateful that you are sharing your story and it's such a successful one. And you're such a handsome, nice, fun person to yes. be around. And, and, you know, people are just drawn to you. So I just know that you're just on such an amazing path and your wife Barbie is just a doll. I, well, I didn't mean it to come out like that, but she is <laughs> Barbie,
1: bar- Very good. So Richard, so we, we ran track together in high school, but did not run in the same circles. Right. So just kind of begin your story <laughs> <full of> there.
2: <laughs> well, I, you know, I always, I was just at a women's retreat this this week, uh, this past, not this past, this weekend, but the weekend before last. You know, and I was telling them, it's like people see me today, mm. and they just assume that this is who I am. You know, but it's not anywhere close to who I am. I mean, I, you know, as I share with them, I was like, I would, you know, if you had to put a hashtag, I was definitely hashtag player. You know, I was I was out living my life. Mm-hmm. You know, what I thought was living my best life. Oh yeah. You Women know, doing things, going clubbing, going dancing, you know, and just and really wasn't worried about anybody else. I was just living. You know, what 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 am I going to do today, and what am I going to get done? To, you know and it was just, it was all about me, I can really say, you know, I didn't feel like I was living a selfish life, but boy, when I look back on it, and all the hard times I put people through, I was living a selfish life, but that was me, I mean, I was, I was, you know, I, I, uh, I, I look at a lot of young kids today, and they're, you know, and I was doing the same thing, that's why I really got into student ministry, uh, after, you know, not too, not a while back ago, but, uh, but yeah, I was just a player, man. I was out doing the things, having fun, drinking, dancing, going clubbing, chasing women, you know. And and it was real more. Everything was a conquest to me, you know. And um, so and and it was um, you know, not that I didn't have uh, feelings, you know, not that I didn't care about people. I did care about people, but I also, you know, look back at a lot of things I did, and I share this with people because it's never too late, and God meets you right where you are. I look at my life and the things I went through, all the all the drinking, the partying, the drug use, the the sleeping around, you know, with all the women I slept with and everything. And and I know that I caused a lot of heartache. I know that I I know I sent a lot of wrong people down the wrong path, you know, and and that's things that I have to live with and ask for God for forgiveness with. But I share that because, you know, people, people see where you are today, as I was saying earlier, and they just assume that's who you are.
1: So in high school, you're, you're very popular, you're running track but you're living this other life yeah. because Monterey was a pretty, I thought a pretty conservative high school. And Julie says, I missed out on a lot of stuff, which I I really did. Because I thought the people there, I was like, what? I I didn't even know that was going on. But anyways, I guess a lot of stuff that I missed out (laughs) on, but you're going down this path, you're leading this other life. Who is talking to you? Who's beginning to draw you? to christ at this time because even though you're doing all this stuff there were sure. some people in high school that began speaking into your life i know mm-hmm. you were going to young life and but you're still yeah. in this alternate lifestyle
2: yeah so young life is where it all started for me and that uh, and what was really interesting is uh you know him and julie knows him uh it, it's a uh, jackie black it was my um jackie jackie black it was my sophomore year uh of high school and um you know, we were playing football and sophomore, junior years, I'm trying to remember exactly. But all I know is Jackie Black showed up. I mean, we weren't even we didn't even run. We weren't even really friends. At, you know, we played football together. I knew him right. in high school, but we didn't run around, as you were saying, in the same circles. We didn't do things. We didn't hang out. But for some reason, he showed up completely out of the blue, knocked on my mom and dad's door one day, one night, I should say. And I just went and answered the door. and It is Jackie Black standing there. And I'm like, wow. I said, hey, man, how's it going? You know, I recognize him from football, but it's not like we hung out. I was like, so I'm like completely baffled. Like, why are you, you know, why are you here? You know, and he was like, hey, I wanted to invite you to Young Life. And I said, wow, okay. You know, so um, I mean, I I was, you know, I didn't want to be hanging out at the house. I'm like, this is a reason to get out of the house. Let's go. You know, (laughs) I had no idea what Young Life was at the moment.
1: God's sovereignty He's putting people but, in your life you don't even recognize. It. It's a
2: it was a divine intervention, man, because um, you know, so he took me young life and, and and it was really young life that I started attending that, and that was before it got really popular at, at Monterey at the, right. the high school. It was we really were,
0: we were in the basement.
2: Time. Yeah, it was really small. Oh, right. Yeah. Exactly. And so when I went on that first summer camp. Uh, it wasn't like this. The next time that I went, you know, the, that the following year, it was big and it was popular, and, and you know, and, and, and not not so much, you know. But we'll just go that dig- goes back to where I was, but but it, it it was where I found it was where I accepted Christ. I went to summer camp that year I was at a camp called uh, Windy Gap in North Carolina, and uh, man, that, that I just remember vividly. Kim uh, Talley, who was Lee, lead, his leader, Young Life. You know, getting up there speaking one night, and he really, you know, spoke. To, I mean, it just really spoke to my heart. He said, "You know, if you're in this situation, you're doing these type of things, and God's wanting you to be something different." And he said, "If you're willing to be brave enough to stand up in front of the, everybody and accept Christ, and you know, let's do it." And so I did. You know, and I extended and, and um, so that's where it all began. And I'd like to say my life, boom, one hundred percent changed right then and there. But it was like, uh, especially now that I've done, you know, now that I've done student ministry, senior high ministry, I, I've seen it, you know, they, the kids doing the same thing I did. I was white hot when I was there for God. And when I got back, the peer pressure of just everyday life and your friends and in wanting to go out and wanting to do things. And so that, that, that pulled me back to where I was. So the great thing is, is you know, I could say is, I got saved there. I just wish I would have continued to walk it out there. That's when we go back to the scripture you had talked about patience, you know.
1: So the, you, you give your life to Christ, but you come back after the Windy Gap experience, everything is about God, but you come back into the real world where the battle is raging. Yeah, man. And so what happens after that? Because you, it, things kind of change you. It did not go the way of an all-American story at the time. Mm. Uh, you were still being the player and some things definitely transpired in your life that God can definitely use today and he is going to use them but it shows us that yes you can have all you can go to the retreat but you need to have someone discipling you you need to have a group around you holding you accountable because the other people begin to draw you back and I remember my brother when he accepted Christ his, his friends, his lost friends, sorry if I'm going to get a little emotional, they they abandoned him. Mm-hmm. And we as believers don't do a good enough job mm-hmm. embracing them, even mm-hmm. though they still have some of these habits that we don't mm-hmm. approve of, but we need to embrace them because his lost friends like, okay, you're not going to drink, you're not going to smoke, not, we don't want you around us. And they're kind of left out there in no man's land. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that's kind of where you were because guess what? you found those people who oh, said yeah. okay yeah you keep your Jesus or whatever you come do stuff with us
2: yeah oh yeah i had that crowd i had that crowd anytime i wanted it you know and it, it, you know to go out and just do exactly what i wanted to do but it was it, it was there was and i will say there was this piece of my heart that was really wanted something different i just didn't know how to be different you know my popularity at the time was pretty you know I felt pretty daggum popular and knowing that if I go a certain way, you know, I might lose that popularity, you know, or something. And, but, there, but there was still something that longed in my heart, you know, like to be different. And there were things as I look back on and, you know, and wish. And that's why I try and play mentors to people, to, to kids today or young men today. Because there were certain men in my life back then that I wish that they would have, you know, instead of just um, dismissing me like this guy's never going to be anything, you know, I wish they would have pulled me aside, Mm -hmm. you know, if not just for my athletic talent alone to go, you could, you know, you you could really be something, you know, have you thought about, you know, and, but it was never, I never got that, you know, I never got that pulled off to the side moment of saying, look, you got a lot of talent here, you know, and not only that, you know, you know and I'm not patting myself on the back but you know the guy got friends that I ran with and they said they loved hanging out with me because I just made things happen you yep. know and so there was a magnetic mag- magnetism about mm-hmm. me you know yeah. and that drew people in and so I wish that I wish that somebody have said look you got everything you need man that God mm-hmm. could use a you know people's yep. lives to really draw them in because because I think, you know, sometimes we look at Christianity and we don't think it's cool, you know, but that, but what they don't, but you know, what we don't understand is it, it it's not, has nothing to do with Christianity. It's just you yourself. God made you perfect and you just be you. And then it, it makes things cool, you know? And so with that said, I wish that, you know, there would have been men that would have drawn me off to the side and spoke to my life and I don't blame them. You know, it's just, that I look back and go, man, you know, I had this longing in my heart. So why, you know, why did it take me so long to make that step? I don't know if I completely answered your question there.
0: Well, it's exactly what we, we had chapters and chapters about in Norris's book, which is what Mm -hmm. got us started on this podcast is how important those coaches and teachers Mm -hmm. are to young people. And that they, you spend so much time with these people, especially coaches and Norris can speak to it all day long. And it's just one of those things that a coach has got so many other pressures to win and to take care mm-hmm. of his own family and to deal with all the bureaucracy and things that they forget that there's just that one kid out there that they they can make such a difference with. like One like Norris, one like Richard Armenta, who you guys had everything, everything going for you.
1: Yeah, I remember yeah. our Coach Gay, and I know Richard remembers Coach Gay is uh, – a. Coach Jay was quick to hop on you, and you <laughs> but he truly believed that, you know, you could be more than what you really were. And he's a guy I've, I've never forgot because he did take an interest and what challenge you and push you. So after you accept that Christ, Richard, you are graduated from high school. Then what happens? Life is hitting you in your face. What's that next chapter?
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, I graduated high school, man, I was just, um, I was actually just managing a footlocker, you know, I went to tech for a little bit, dropped, you know, withdrew from tech, started managing a footlocker, but my my life on the partying side really never changed, you know, I continued to dabble and party and go out and dance and hang out and chase women and stuff like that, and and it got to, you know, and it, and it stayed like that for quite some time, and then... Um, where things kind of took a, took a different road was, is then I met, you know, met one lady, you know, wanted to date, you know, wanted to go out with her or should I say really just wanted to sleep with her, you know? And so we hooked up and then she got pregnant and um, you know, and so I, so we, we talked about it and we only knew each other for a very short time, probably not even a month, you know? And so we talked about having going ahead and having the, you know, having the baby, which is my daughter today, uh, Dakota, and, you know, like I told her, I said, I can't promise the Cinderella story, you know, but I'm going to do the best I can. And so it was at that time in my life that I decided, okay, you know what? You've had plenty of fun, man. You know, you, you've done everything that you ever want to do. You know, you kind of maybe think about it in a, you know, Solomon and Ecclesiastes, right? It's like, I've done all these things. I've had all these, you know, concubines and women. It's like, so, you know, what else is there, right? You so concubines? I, you know, I just didn't have as well, huh? Concubines? <laughs> I'm only reading it from scripture, baby. <laughs> well, we, we
1: call them groupies today in the, in the modern day vernacular.
2: <laughs> but um, but uh, anyway, so I thought, you know what? I, I, it's probably time I got my stuff together, you know? And so I, I went back and I say went back to my roots because, um, you know, My mom and dad took me to church every Sunday. I grew up Catholic. You know, they took me to church every Sunday. And, um, you know, we would pray when we were very little. We'd pray at night all together as a family before we went to bed. So I always had this God thing. I would always, even when I was crazy living, you know, I always went to bed. uh, Often I went to bed at night thinking, what am I doing man?" That's when I started trying to get my life back together again, and said, "All right, so I'm going to start attending church again." And So I started attending church, and you know, and the pastor was just speaking to me, man, and I saw so, so. And where
0: it, was that? How old were you at this time?
2: So um, this was probably, I mean, it, it took me. Hey, I was late in the game, right? So <laughs> this was when I was about thirty years old. Okay. You know? Wow. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I was on a path for a while. So sometimes it takes somebody a long time to get there, but, but Hey, I got there. And, uh, but anyway, so that, so I started attending church, started taking my daughter to church, you know, checking her in the infant section. And, and that's where I tell people that's where she grew up and that's where I grew up spiritually, you know, but, but anyway, I started going to church there. And as I started attending, started really trying to get my walk on with God then, you know, more, you know, I shouldn't say more tragedy, but just something else happened in my life. And I always felt like that, you know, I've always felt like, you know, as things started really going, you know, started happening, felt like the rug would get pulled out from under Mm me. And it's funny because my brother-in-law used to always say, dude, you got this black cloud that just hangs over you. And I'm like, I know, man, I can't (laughs) figure it out, you know, but of course, it's all my own choices, right, that are making it happen. But uh, this time, so my dad passed away, Uh, And then three months later, my wife filed for divorce. We didn't have a very strong marriage. You know, we started out. The only reason we really ended up really getting together was because she got pregnant. But we decided, you know, let's try and do the right thing. And and it never really was a strong marriage. And so three months later, she filed for divorce after my dad died. And I just kind of, I kind of got angry. You know, not kind of, I did. I got angry at God. And I was like, really? This is it? So I'm going to try and walk my life out. I'm going to try and surrender to you. And then this is what I, you know, this is what I get. Yeah, you know, this is how things are going to go down, you know. And so it wasn't, you know, anything. But that, I guess when we're new in our faith, we need, we need something to blame, right? So not why not blame God, you know? And so that's kind of what I did. And so I went back to what I used to do and went back and started partying again. But uh, this time I was introduced to something different, you know. And I always tell people, I was like, so, and I'm not ashamed to say it, but I started smoking uh, meth. And it just really grabbed me by the throat. And I mean, it was, I tell people that was the darkest three years of my life. That was from like 2000 into 2003, you know, and uh, it was crazy. And so it was at that time that I said, finally got to a point was like, okay, I can't, I can't do this no more. I can't do this no more. And so I went and checked myself into a faith-based treatment center. And I always share the name of that place because the name of it is Eternal Awakenings. Because then I tell, and I, I, oh, right, I've done interventions God. on, yeah, I've done interventions on people. I have, I've have helped pay for people to be there. I've taken people there uh, because I think anybody who walks through their doors, that's a divine intervention. You're, you are meant to be there. And I can say for hundred percent, I was meant to be at eternal awakenings because that's where, that's where, and I was sharing earlier, and I share, share with other people you know, where, you know, if you don't know the Bible well, Paul used to be Saul, he used to persecute Christians. And then, you know, he had a, he had a divine intervention, you know, from Christ, you know, uh, and, um, and asking why are you persecute my people. And they call that that whole scene in the Bible is called the road to Damascus, because he changes his name from Saul to Paul. And that was my to me, that was my road to Damascus moment when I checked in at Eternal Awakens, I walked in one man, and I walked out another. It completely changed no more partying no more drugs no more sex outside of marriage it's like this is who i am today so
1: and let me tell you that i understand people that during this whole time he's still a child of god but he's making his own choices so mm-hmm. god lets us go down that mm-hmm. road and everything that happens to us and i always tell people god always forgives he doesn't take away the consequences sometimes and he will use those things in our lives to shape us, to allow us to minister to other people. Because God never left. You got angry. You said, I'm going to do things my way. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that you're smoking meth, but you had to with all. And I, believe, I know it's God to go, okay, I need to go check myself in.
0: Mm-hmm. I yeah. need
1: to get out of this
2: yeah that was not your flesh that was god telling you god and the fact that i knew i wanted to go to a faith-based treatment center those were my exact words i need to find a faith-based treatment center Mm -hmm. you know and when i walked through that door i I literally told carla was uh jim and jim and Carla welch owned the place and i literally told carla when i walked in there i said you know i said i i'm not even sure that I'm here so much for the drugs. I said, as I am to give back what I lost. And she mm. said, what's that? Wow. I said, That's my relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus. And she said, so, well, you're in the right place. <laughs> thank, and, thank God.
0: and Richard, I know it's not, I mean, a good place. And I know you don't have a whole bunch of Facebook pictures from that time in your life, but you know, for for a lot of people, when someone says, "Oh, I got hooked to drugs," or mm-hmm. "I went down a dark path," I mean, mm-hmm. tell tell a little bit about that. I just remember you sharing some of that with us a few years ago at that um, speaking engagement, and and just what you would do to get to get drugs, and just some of the people that you were with, and it it's so well, much scarier than just saying, "I I tried meth,"
2: and yo, it was a yeah, terrible but, time. Yes. Yeah, so, well, what's so Funny about you know it's like is the evil one right satan loves it you know he 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 uh, boy he put he plays the trick on you he plays uh he, he you know the deceiver in anybody who's been involved in alcohol or has been involved in drugs they know right it has, has been i say really been not dabbled in it not parted with some friends but really got into doing it and going you know is um that it, it's all fun and games when you start and it's always with a bunch of people and y'all are going out and you're having fun and going back to somebody's place and hanging out. But what's so funny is that it soon ends up that you're by yourself, you know, and, and a lot and you're mm-hmm. doing it by yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's when you know you, that something's not right. You know, when you're, when you're ending up alone by yourself doing these things, it's no longer fun anymore. But yeah, I can often remember, you know, being in some horrible situations, you know, and I tell people how I never ended up in, you know, doing serious time in serious, jail. Like like, oh, I've, I've, you know, I've had to spend my time in a drunk tank and stuff like that, you know, never got, never gotten a DWI, but got, you know, in, in some other situations, no paid ticket, no this and that, and, you know, but that's all consequences of living the life of, you know, not caring about, you know, doing the responsible thing, uh, so yeah, but I, here's, but I've always been the type of person is, you know, that's been an encourager, you know? And I guess it's because I wanted more for myself that I I, I saw more in others, you know? But I often found myself in some really dark places, you know, and sitting around and partying. And I'd be looking around the room and thinking, man, I am the only one in this room has not been to jail for like a DUI or something like what am I doing (laughs) you know it's like my gosh you know and so it you know just the situations that I had put myself in you know going and buying drugs and selling drugs and all these things and but it was um but I often found these people that and I don't know why maybe maybe help myself feel better but even though I was doing these things what's real funny is my my job, my things like that, I still was, you know, doing life. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I would speak life into these other people, like, dude, you're better than this. Dude, you're the and it was so crazy. I'm doing this with right. me. so are you selling drugs to like, man, you're better than this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but, but, and, don't do it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm trying to encourage these guys that they're better, that they, that they're, you know, that they're more than this or better than this. Cause they would, cause they, of course, are talking bad about them. So I was like, no, nah, I don't see that. I see something more in you, you know? And, and yet I couldn't walk it out myself, but yeah, I found myself in a lot of dark places, you know, and that, that God often would bring, you know, bring the light as I was in there going, you know, and it would often hit me at the time. I'd be great having a party and all of a sudden something would come over me and I look around going, what am I doing here? This is, this is crazy. You know, I know God, that there's a lot of
1: God protecting you and drawing you in, like Richard, you're my child.
2: Yeah. And I know that then I share the I share all these stories, you know, and because I know that there's people out there doing the same thing. I know that they're, you know, they're living life. They're out there, they're partying. They don't think anything about it, or maybe they do. They're like me. They're going to bed at night thinking, what am I doing? You know, and God, and that to me, that is, as you said. Uh, Norse that's just God tugging on your heart that's just God you know it's I often tell tell people it's like you say you don't hear from the God but when that conscience of yours you only have a conscience for a reason it ain't because you all of a sudden you're a good guy and now you have a conscience no right. you know we're not born good we're born sinners you know so so that good that good voice that good conscience that comes in that's just to me that's God whispering in ear, like going hey you might want to think about doing something different. You might want to think about getting out of here, you know, and you hear it. And then it's like, when I, my final time to hear it, I decided to act on it. That's when I checked in the faith. That's when I checked in the faith-based treatment there, but how many times I heard that voice and thought, ah, I'm good. I'm good. So I just encourage those people out there that listen to your podcast, the game changer that they hear those, they hear that voice that whisper in their ear you know, that life could be better. Life could think could de- to be different. There doesn't have to be a black cloud. Why, this gut instinct of why am I dating this person, this gut instinct of why am I going to this place? Listen to it.
1: So you how know? old are you when you check out of the faith, uh, eternal awakenings? How old are you now?
2: So, uh, so that, that, that time, because I was married about three years. So that time I'm about 33, 34 years old, right around there. So, you begin a new
1: chapter. So, you're divorced. You still have a coda. Uh, you have dabbled in the drugs and the life, and, and you go and you get this rehab. So, now, chapter three, if you will, begins to start for Richard Armina. So, you're out of the rehab.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What happens next in your life?
2: Wow, man, it, it's just all, it, it is. It is walking through this new It's It's just now I'm in this new thing that I don't really know, but I'm walking, I'm going to, I'm determined to walk it out. And I often share with people because I get a lot of people ask me, you know, like, what is born again? What, is, what does born again even mean? What does it look like? You know, and I tell people, and, and I share this in it, will this will make sense in a minute, but I share this in because. I often tell people, well, you'll never enter a birthing room where mom delivers the baby and the baby jump off the birthing table. Go, come on, let's go and grab mom by the hand and walk out of there. You know, not happening, right? A baby needs to learn from a roll from its back to its belly. You know, grab furniture, learn how to balance and stand up, learn how to take a step. And so I often share people, that's the same way in your walk when you're born again Christian. Look, man, nobody's expecting miracles out of you. You just need to learn to roll from your back from your belly today. And then tomorrow you might start grabbing furniture and standing up and learning how to balance. And eventually you'll be able to walk and take a step. So to answer your question is, you know, I started trying to walk this thing out and I wasn't perfect, you know, and um, i kind of, you know, felt drawn back to the old life, you know, and and just like, no, I can't do this. And in all the things and all the trials and the tribulations that I caught or trouble that I caused others were starting to come to the surface you know, like we're doing foundation work on our house right now. What's great is we got the foundation right now in the house, but guess what's showing up? Now cracks are showing in the wall. Yeah. You know, now yeah. cracks are showing here. And I, and that was sort of with me. Now I've got this foundation now, right? In Christ, I've come out of eternal awakenings. And now I'm starting to, you know, get this foundation set now and stone stone in my relationship with him. But now all these other cracks start showing up. And I'm like, and, I, you know, I mean, I literally had... <laughs> I literally had people say things to my face, you know, that were very rude, but very honest. Yeah. And a lot, and I just, and I don't know, God gave me this humbleness in my heart, you know, because I would often hear it and I'd bite my lower lip. I'd want to punch somebody in the face, you know, but I'd bite my lower lip and go. So what's an example
0: of that? I mean, what, what, to those people out there that are looking to say something, what, what do you not say to someone?
2: Oh, my gosh, man. I, I got an example of um, this couple I knew. And they had a young child. And um, I pulled up in front of their house to go visit. And uh, he started this young child starts skipping across the lawn. And he's looking at me going, look, it's the habitual liar. It's the habitual liar. You know, and I was like, and he's lit. He was little. So I, I was sitting there looking at him going habitual. Liar? I mean, That's a big word for that little kid. And I'm like, I want to just punch this little kid. But I I thought, well, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't didn't learn that. He's heard that. He's heard that from them speaking that, Wow. you know, that's the way this little, I mean, this little eight-year-old isn't, doesn't know the word habitual, you know? And so I had to sit there and stand in front of the house. They're like, oh, stop that. Stop that. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, you taught him that. <laughs> you know, it, but he yeah. heard them speaking about me, obviously. Yeah. Because wow. he knew to call me. Wow. A ritual liar. Wow. And so I stood there and looked at him and I thought, that's, I think you want an example. That's just one of the examples where I thought, okay. Okay. I deserve that. I earned, not only do I deserve it, I earned it. You know, so I'm going to, I'm going to take that. And I'm gonna let it go, and I'm gonna pass that, and I'm gonna forgive this moment, you know. And so I walk through a lot of it, but but then again, like I said I earned that type of thing, you know. So mm-hmm. so it is so often that people, when we start changing our lives and start surrendering to Christ, that we expect things to be perfect overnight, mm. no troubles, no trial, forget about that. I mean, it's not. Paul talks about not if the trials come, but when the trials come. When the trials come, you know? yeah. And so. So those moments that I I look back on and think, wow, okay, you know, I earned that. And like I said, God just had humbled my heart in a way that I, and I've always kind of, even as arrogant as I was growing up, I was still a humble person deep inside. Mm -hmm. A lot of people didn't know that because a lot of people, like my very, very close friends, they knew that because they knew me very well. But from the outside looking in, if you were just an acquaintance and weren't a true friend, you know, you didn't know that but you would but my true heart was always humble, mm-hmm. you know, always yeah. you're better than me. You deserve more than me. I'm a nobody. Don't worry about me. You know, and that's how I walked through life. That's how I viewed myself, you know, is less than, you know, so, but nobody would have ever known that.
1: <clears throat> Another game changer moment in your life is so you're out of the rehab, you're, you're getting involved in church. When do you meet your second wife?
2: So it was a wow. I mean, it was a while before I met I met my second wife because I was not right. I was I was still trying to figure out life, and I needed to get to the point where I was content in who I was, just me and Christ alone. Who am I by myself? Just a father to my daughter, you know, and, and us focusing on that. So it was um that was eight two thousand and three when I got out of treatment, and it was two thousand and eight. Wow, five them. years! Wow, and five what, was years. Your years? what was your name?
0: What was your online name again?
2: So, well, it wasn't a name, but I had a tagline. Oh, a tagline! A tagline. Yeah. Uh, I just used my regular name, uh, but my tagline on my because uh, we met we met on Yahoo personals. So, uh, but my tagline was padlock looking for the right combination. Oh, that's right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> padlock. Looking for the right I, combination. I, which is now the name path? of our ministry, The Right Combination. So. I love it. So five years. Five years. You're on another
1: journey that God takes you on
0: yeah.
1: where you are finding out who you are in Christ, being a dad to your daughter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm sure all these things, the flesh does not take a five-year break. You, oh, no. I'm sure you're still struggling with things. I mean.
2: I got, I did get to the point where You know, for the longest time, it's like you know you feel the draw of of wanting to go out and party. You know, and it took a little while to get past it, but I got past that. The longest thing is is it was the it was how I you know sexual. It was the sexual things that 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 always kept coming up for me and say. And I knew because you know five years is a long time, and you know and to walk that out in, in a in but. I knew I wasn't ready to be in a relationship because as soon as you know, my mom was like, "You should start dating somebody." My sister was like, "You should see somebody." And and I and I you know, my mom would always point a couple ladies out. And and I shared this at the women's retreat. You know, it's like my mom would say, "You really need to meet somebody. Like she's she's a pretty girl. Like she would you know, she seems nice." And and I would look and turn and I would think, "Hmm, yeah, she's good looking. Yeah." And I would think, mm, you know, and I knew from my mind to my heart, it wasn't, it wasn't holy, you know. I, was, <laughs> that was, I still no. had that thought, oh, and if I could be okay. very transparent, you I know, just I just had that thought, like, hmm, yeah, I'd like to sleep with that. You know? <laughs> your
0: mother is pointing these women out to you. I mean, <laughs> yeah, i <yeah, cool. laughs> I love your
2: mom, Richard. Yeah, I mean, so, that's so, an awesome mom there. Yeah. Yeah. She you know, she wanted her boy to be happy. (laughs) But, but, you know, but I I knew I wasn't ready. So that's what I I would look. And if that's the first place my mind went when I saw that beautiful lady thought, Oh yes, I would like to sleep with her. Then I knew I wasn't ready. You know, I was like, Hmm, okay. I'm not ready yet, Lord. I'm not ready to get in a relationship yet. So that's why, you know, I knew it took me a long, it took me probably longer than most. And I don't know why. Because, you know, I don't ever tell anybody, everybody's journey is their journey. You know, you walk the path that God has you on. For some reason, he had me on a long journey, but it took that long to get my heart right. right. You know, and so where I didn't, so where I, you know, when I looked at women, I appreciated women. When I had those conversations with them, I appreciated what they said. Mm-hmm. You know, it there, there, there was, you know there was a time where my eyes would gloss over, you know, when I was younger and be like, okay, you know, what, when are we, when are we going to bed? But this, but I, now to me, it's like, I enjoyed the conversation, right? There was so much more depth to to having a conversation with them and getting to know them, you know? And so, so I knew when I, when I got to that moment, I thought, okay, I'm probably ready to start dating now. So that's when, that's when I, that's when I started, you know, put my, profile out there and that's when my wife barbie and i met in 2000 you know 2008 and and then that's when we started dating and started walking out our life
1: and then what year do y'all get married
2: uh well, so she says nobody signs up for a four-year plan but it was 2012 <laughs> <laughs> okay so god so there, is really there is there there is a gap of time we dated two years and and uh and the reason i and i share is she makes it sound like oh he didn't want but but i did start doing apartment ministry during that time and i had to sign a two-year contract so when we were two years into dating um uh, me and a buddy ben decided we were going to do some apartment ministry in a section 8 housing in dallas and so we moved in there and we signed a, a contract with the community to live there for two years and serve the community. Wow. And uh, so that that added the last two years onto our dating life. But I will say this: that was another God divine intervention because yeah. you know, we we were dating and it was like I still wasn't quite sure how to be this. You know, this boyfriend that God wanted me to be, because now I'd been single for so long. So now it was hard to bring somebody else into mind of Dakota's life.
0: Right.
2: But it was during that time, you know, that we, we were dating that God started revealing himself to her, you know, and now she's now she's looking at me and now she's wanting to date me. And of course she wants a good man in her life. And now she's found one, but now that she's really found this man that is willing not to sleep with her, now she's questioning her values. Well, who am I? Right. You, know, you want to sleep with me? Yeah. You know. You know. Because unfortunately, a lot of women find value in love. It it find value their value in that. You know, when somebody is, is attracted to them, which is not bad, and then wants to sleep with them, you sleep together, and, and you find this. You know, this something that that it, it brings across as value, validation to them, and I'm wanted and I'm needed, and you know. And so she started questioning herself during that time we were dating, and that's when God had a little divine appointment with her in. She, she shares her story about, you know, that's when God asked, you know, she felt God asking her, who are you doing this for him or me? And mm-hmm. that's when she had these, gifts. she tells the moment in the book where she got on her hands and knees in her bedroom and, and, and surrendered to Christ and said, okay, Lord, I'm doing it for you. You know? So, so that's kind of, you know, we, so that long four years of dating God was working, you know, I don't, and she said, like she said, nobody signs up for a four year plan. And I'm not saying anybody has to date that long. You know, I will say this: if you're divorced and you get in a new relationship, I would always date through the seasons. You know, I would date a yeah. year. You yeah. know, summer, winter, spring, fall, autumn. Date through yeah. those four seasons because normally, if you're if it's your second marriage or if it's your third marriage, whatever it might be. And God, trust me, God can bless those marriages. I want people to hear me clearly on that. Just because you've been divorced, you are not tagged as it is or unloved or unworthy you are more than worthy and so you just remember that that god can still use you in your second marriage your third marriage you, you just surrender everything to him you know and uh so but yeah, um but yes so i mean it, it was during that time that we just you know we we really saw who we were in christ and god used that moment to bring us that much closer together yeah. you know so, and she so she value and- in christ Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: You've got enough game changers, Richard, and just in your life um, to inspire anybody. I, I think you could, you could probably speak to just about any walk that anyone has been down. And I, I didn't even realize you had done the project. She froze ministry.
1: up on, froze up on oh. it. So my question to you, Richard, so the next game changer in your life, you get married in 2012, right? And God, gives On today. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So, um, so we, you know, it was, so we, we, when we got married, and it said this just another God thing, how God just comes into your life and he just, and he takes you in a direction you were never thinking about going. Uh, we get married and she's talks, she starts talking about this speak up conference that she wants to go to. And uh, I'm like, and she's like, maybe she goes, I've always wanted to go to this conference. You know, can we pray about going? And I was, you know, at the time, you know, we were doing fairly well. And I said, well, we can pray about her. I can just send you, you know? And so, so (laughs) really, I said, yeah, she goes to the speak up conference thinking it's all about what she wanted to do. And when she gets there and starts sharing her story, people start telling her, you need to write a book. Y'all need to write a book. So she calls me out out of the blue and says, hey, apparently we're supposed to be writing a book because that's all these people are saying. So that's where our journey of right combination comes down the road. It's, it's the, she, By her attending the Speak Up conference, which she thought she was doing for, you know, for her, ended up being a, about us, about God wanting to use our stories. So that's when we were signed by a Christian publisher called Kriegel Publishing. And we wrote a book, and it's out. You can find it in Barnes & Noble or on Amazon.com. And tell uh, us
1: the name of it so we want uh, to promote it. it.
2: Right com- it. It's Right Combination, Finding Love and Life After Divorce. And so uh, now we've got this ministry where we, uh, you know, share with people. She's a Christian life coach and speaks with women all the time, coaches them one on one. We even do an a, a annual event, uh, the Brave Gathering. So it's, and it's a women's event that we've done now. We, last year was our third annual event. We thought we were going to have to cancel it because of the whole COVID thing, but that's where God is another game changer, right? We thought we're going to cancel this event and she just felt like nope god's telling me to do it instead of doing it when we were going to in, in I, april it's now going to be october and we're going to do it virtually and i guess in, in, in with a semi live uh, small live audience well by doing it virtually instead of reaching the small crowd that we normally would get in dallas you know like in, in you know and i say relatively small you know 30 people or whatever but now we go out to 12 states and into two different countries, we got somebody <laughs> watching in Japan, and like that's only a God thing, you know. <laughs> that's right, but that's that's, but great. That's, that, that, that's another game changer moment in our life where God says, Okay, now I'm going to take your story and I'm going to use it for others. So you tell know? us I mean, one more time, the, that, but that's he just took it to another level.
1: Tell us one more time the name of the book and, and what's the theme behind the ministry.
2: So Right Combination, Finding Love and Life After Divorce is the name of the book. Uh, the ministry is really, is, is really to meet people where they're at. And it's really, and I really say a lot of it is, is focused on women. Uh, you know, because my wife does a lot of the speaking and everything. And I, I'll speak at the women's event. Uh, but we do speak together in churches and share our story. So a lot of it is sharing our backstory. And how we changed our lives and started dating God's way even after divorce, you know, because a lot of people think, you know, a lot of people go through divorce and they're thinking, uh, no sex outside of marriage, a little too late for me, don't you think? I'm like 50 years old, like that ain't gonna happen today, you know. But we but so we get to share that story in a relative way, in a relative in a in a way that they can understand and go, wow, that makes sense, you know, to surrender that part of my. So we talk about surrendering that part of your life to God. So that he can come in and bring the person that you want to be with. So it's about, the ministry is about meeting women where they're at and then coaching them between the gap to where God wants them to be, whether that, whatever transition they're at in life, but it's also about meeting men and women where they're at and saying, look, you've made a lot of choices in your life and some of your best thinking has gotten you right here. Maybe it's time to hand over the reins to God, you know, and let him have the reins and see where he takes you, you know, because... He only wants, and that's what I tell people, he only wants the best from you or the best right. for you. If you really can, we, we, too many people in life look at God as somebody who's up here and not somebody who lives in here. And once you surrender him and he comes in your heart and lives there, you know, that's where the whole thing is. And that is a game changer moment because that's when he becomes not some entity or not some thing or not some supernatural being. He becomes a father to you. Amen. And everybody knows that mm-hmm. if you go to your dad and you're his his child, and you go, "Dad, I really need some help." The only thing your father ever wants to do is help you, That's right? And get you through this. So you've had all
1: these game changers from high school, where you go to Wendy up to North Carolina, go to the Winning Gap Conference, and you accept Christ. You go through this tenure where you're still partying. You have your daughter. You go through a divorce. You have meth and then you check yourself in you get god cleans you up you come out and you go through this five years where you're trying to find yourself and just being a, a dad to your to your daughter and then god puts this woman in your life so another game change, he puts this woman in your life and then he gives you this ministry where you can minister mm-hmm. to women and men who have gone through all this and there's one more game changer. I want to talk about before we let people go, and that's so you're working, and then next thing you know, you're starting a business.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that and that was that was one of those things that really was a game changing moment because I remember that I was uh, at the time I was selling software for a software company that a friend of mine who I met in fifth grade. That's how long we've been friends. Wow, fifth grade. Yeah, our dads flew together in the Air Force. And so he started a software technology company. Well, I worked with him for 10 years and he sold the company. So I found myself in this in-between moment, like, what am I going to do? You know, I mean, I I don't really know the direction. I'm not in a rush to do something, but I definitely need to do something. Well, out of the blue, the owner of Eternal Awakenings calls me. He says, hey, I got this guy that I want you to go meet and talk to. And I want you to mentor him and see if you can get him into treatment, because his family's reached out to me, and so I go, and I meet this, I go, and I meet this man, and, and we start becoming, you know, I start mentoring and mentoring, well, then he, he owns a, a roofing company, and he asked me to join his roofing company, and I said, sure, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in between things right now, anyway, so, you know, he says, you can do ministry, and make money at the same time, so I get under his, so I get under his wing, I thought you
0: were going to say roof. I just really thought you were going to say roof. Huh? I thought you were going to say I get under his roof.
2: <laughs> I get under his wing. He teaches me the industry. I get him into treatment. So he gets, he gets, he gets God in his life. He gets sober. And I learned this, I learned this industry now to, it, to a point where I'm so grateful to, to, you know, the God divine, you know, appointment with that, that whole scene that allows me to now become an entrepreneur and start my own business. Wow! You know, it all, uh, it's so funny because my wife often says, "Right?" She also she often tells me, "You know, what, Richard, every time you start serving others, every time you go out and do ministry, your phone rings and you get business." And it's yeah. the truth. Yeah. And it's the truth. You know, and it's just and, I, and so I often tell people, it's like you can't outgive God, man. Amen. Yeah. You can't outgive him. If you go do something and you serve him, God is going to bring it back to you exponentially. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, it, it is. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, you just can't outgive that guy. You know, and I, I often tell people, God really only wants two things from us. Mm-hmm. You know, after accepting his his, uh, you know, well, three. I'll say first, accept His Son as your Lord and Savior. But after that, the only two things He really wants from us is He wants us to be obedient and available obedient is tough obedient and I tell people follow him and be obedient to what he's what he's asking you to do and be obedient to Christ and be obedient to the to, you know to the word that's tough. tough but it's not even half as hard as being available yes. because we can be Christians and we can be walking this thing out but when God says hey I need you to go talk to this person you're like oh man ah, I don't know if I can go talk to this person it's the availability that I, I see people struggling with the most you know, making themselves available to go share with them. But I'll tell you, once you get outside yourself and you start being available to go speak to others, to go serve others, it's amazing how much you get filled up. I can tell you, every time I go and help somebody or share with somebody or be with somebody, you know, just mentor them or encourage them, I walk away from the situation going, I don't know who got more out of that, me or them because i feel like god just blessed me immensely and here i was helping here i was serving them Mm -hmm.
1: well you know the verse is perfect today because first of all i want to thank richard for coming on and being available to tell people about the the game-changing moments in your life because everyone thinks that everything's going to fall out perfectly and that's not how god always works that he still has some stuff to work out in our lives and he and everything we go through is for his glory so it says in Romans 12 be joyful even when you're going through the tough times we know that we are redeemed that we are it's something better that this is not our home we're just journeying through we're aliens here that God has gone ahead of us and has a place prepared for us that we are redeemed and we win it says be patient you know we are living in a a world where you know we're mad if we go to McDonald's and they don't have our food out to us in two seconds i mean that's just yeah be patient walking i mean five years of not dating uh Mm -hmm. and then another four years waiting before you get married and then another how many years where you started your business being patient trusting god that he's working things out Mm -hmm. and then being faithful in prayer because god wants to communicate with us there's a lot of times you don't even know what you want yeah, I understand we have a Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, and he intercedes for us every yeah. single day. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about how you are pouring into people with your ministry, the marriage ministry, and then using your company to minister, helping people out, being hospitable, and being able to speak the gospel into people's lives. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I guarantee you, the people that you're talking to, they're having game changing moments mm-hmm. right then and there. Mm-hmm. You may never know about them until you get to heaven. But yeah. I know that I know that a, a big game changing moment for me, and I always told you it was in the book I wrote, was Coach uh, Hutchison and um, not Coach Hutchison, but Coach and an uh, eighth grade high school, my eighth grade middle school teacher. Mm-hmm. What is his name? Joe? I've been hitting the head so many times, but the English teacher was Coach Hutchison. The one but that had the
0: diagram sentences?
1: Yeah, yeah, but I had a yeah. Was it Coach Hudson? Yes, and that was my life changing moment for me as being able to say, "Hey, you know what? You can actually learn and do this." Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Coach Gay had a major impact in my life. Uh, and then of I have code, he says he had a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had. And then I did not come across till I was twenty five. Surrender my life totally to him. Mm-hmm. That was a huge game changer in my life and and i tell people you know if you're living and breathing god's not finished with you
2: amen
1: god's going to pursue you until you die until you just harden and turn off your conscience but you know he is actively pursuing us every single day and i'm so glad to see that you and your wife absolutely you're using your business to minister to people yeah, yeah
0: and just you know we when when we started this path of getting Norris's story out there and and people were automatically all gung ho, you know, you you guys need to do this and this. You reach the whole world. And Norris and I really pulled that in and we realized we don't have to reach to the whole world. We have mm-hmm. game changing stories with the the people we grew up with that we've never heard. Yeah. And they're out there and we we are excited about the potential of hearing stories from people we've never met before but it's so amazing to me that we don't even have to throw a rock to mm-hmm. hit on amazing stories just like mm-hmm. yours and so many of the other stories that we've covered that are just in our immediate circles and they're, yeah. they're stories that can inspire other people and and let other people who are out there listening that we've never met know that it's okay it's going to be okay
1: and also know, like you said, Richard, the road is never what we think it's going to be. Right. Jesus has a purpose for everything. It's not going to be perfect. You just look at the characters in the in the Bible. I don't think any of them had a perfect, even Moses, who was called a friend of God. He didn't go, he didn't go into the promised land because he was he was disobedient. And God used a lot of things in his life that encourages me when i open up the word of god and i see okay all these men and women of faith it was not perfect it was not a perfect story mm-hmm. but they had joy they had patience they had to be faithful in prayer so mm-hmm.
2: please uh, yeah i've had several people here lately that have you know is that have, you know talked to me about their faith and you know they just don't know if they have enough faith or if their faith is big enough and you know, and I often share this like, man, you know, like, you know, and I, you know, of course, I share with them how God talks about all you need is the, the faith of a mustard seed, which is the smallest thing in the world, you know, just the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. But I'm like, you know, it's like, you're beating yourself up too much, man. You know, I used to do the same thing. Don't beat yourself up. Just keep taking one baby step at a time and just keep taking You Just choose to be different today. Then, you know, choose to be different the next day just every day walking out, because I said, man, I said, if you really think about it, I said, let's think about this. I said, you had Peter, right? A Peter who walked with Christ, who gave everything, dropped everything and walked with him, served with him, saw him perform miracles, and then saw him die on the cross and was questioning and then went back to fishing. Yep. <laughs> God had to find him back out on a boat fishing. I said, now, if Peter can walk with Christ, see him, heal the lame, you know, give sight to the blind, raise the dead, and they and then, hit, you know, and him go back to fishing, why would you think you'd be anything different? Don't beat yourself up. Just keep walking this thing out because just like Peter, God's going to meet you again right where you're at and go, you still fishing? Come on, man. Let's, let's get to walking here. We got some work to get, you know? I love it like if peter goes back to fishing, why would you beat yourself up so much and that man saw things you'll never see you know and, and that's why it says it's it's the ones that believe that haven't seen those are the good ones like he told like he told doubting thomas right it's the ones that don't see that believe are the ones yes. you know so that's 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 where we're at we have this chance to walk in faith and not by sight and, and just keep trusting him, but I tell you, I tell people, don't be so hard on yourself, man, because I used to beat myself up, and I'll tell you, you, yeah. and, and God, and I used, and, and if you give Satan a, 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 you know, a toehold, he'll take a stronghold, you know, and right. so, I mean, I tell people, it's like, don't listen to the lies that Satan speaks over you. You know, you're, you are more than worthy. You are better. It doesn't matter what you've done. He can still use you. He'll meet you where you're at today. He just doesn't want to leave you there,
0: that's you know,
2: right. because he's got plans for you. Like you like, like Jeremiah 29, says. He, he knows his plans for your future. You're going to prosper. You just haven't seen it yet. Going back to what you said, being joyful in these moments, but patient for it to come, mm-hmm. you know, and, so, and that's that, that to me. I look at my life right now. My life has been ever since I surrendered to Christ everything completely. It's all been about patience in him and understanding that he wants what's best for me. You know, because like you said, we're an instant gratification society. If I can't text you and get a like in a second, I'm wondering what I did wrong. You know, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know? So I tell people I have to be patient, man. I mean, you know, don't beat yourself up over your over how, how strong you think your faith is, because, you know, you're not going to work your way into heaven. There's nothing you can do to get there. The work's already been done. You know, and as I share with women, you know, that because they, they, you know, they feel like they need a man in their life to, to kind of fulfill them, complete them. And I hate that Jerry Maguire thing, you complete me thing, but whatever. But I've run into him so many, he's like, you just don't, you know, you just don't understand how beautiful you are. Yeah. And you just don't understand how value you, how valuable you are.
1: You're already you complete. You, a mate, just are.
2: A, you are so perfect that God yeah. has put his thumbprint on you and nobody else is like you. And there is a man out there dying to meet you. And that's just a
1: bonus. You are complete in Christ. Amen. A, a man or a woman in your life, that's a bonus, but Amen. you are totally complete. Yeah. And having yeah. said
2: that. yeah. What you said, said, and if person, and you, and if you don't
0: good. find that person, it's okay too. That doesn't Amen. mean you can't, you can't be very, important and valuable without
2: you know a partner and and that's what you know and that's that that i walked through that for five years trying to figure out you know who am i you know and i felt like i needed this something special in my life but it was god saying no you and you know you i'm good you're good with me and so and i did i got to the point where i was content in who i was in christ just me as a dad to my young daughter and, and, it, and I really had hit, hit that moment. Like, if I find somebody, I find somebody. If I don't, I don't. I am content. And that, that was when
0: God was laughing.
2: Yeah, that's and when that he was when, laughing. That God. was when God was laughing when you were
0: making those plans because he thought, oh, I've got your combination. <laughs> that's right.
1: Well, people, please understand as we, if we get rid of the sign off, but I want people to know to be a game changer, you don't have to be this mighty person. Mm. You no, know, it tells us in 2 Corinthians 12 now, my grace is sufficient for thee, mm. for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly will I run the glory of in my infirmities that the power of Christ who rest upon me. Mm. He takes broken people who will, will be obedient and who will be available and use them in a mighty, mighty way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I guarantee you, the apostle Paul would have a hard time getting a church job today. If people read his resume, what he did before, he came to Christ. Oh yeah, this man was brutal. Yeah, I
0: can't believe it gotta love that.
1: But what, God's a, grace can't get a job at the
0: church. Efficient,
1: His grace is efficient.
2: Yeah, yeah. Wow. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you're usable. Yep. That's right. And that's Richard, we
1: thank you for being a game changer for sharing those moments with us. You've had plenty. You're still living, so God's going to give us some more. I'd like to do a follow-up story here in another year to see what God. That I believe he's going to bless your business because you you want to use it to help people so Mm -hmm. I would like to see uh, what else God is doing with Richard Armina in Dallas taking a guy from West Texas (laughs) Lubbock, Texas and now has him in the Metroplex living for God being a game changer there so look for That's
0: Irwin Roofing so nobody look up Richard Armina's Roofing It's Irwin Roofing
1: Before we leave, please, please tell us the name of your company, and how to get in touch with
2: you. Yeah, so Irwin Roofing is the name of the company, I-R-W-I-N, it's irwinroofing.net. Uh, you can just, you know, uh, shoot me an email, you go to the website, you'll find my email, cell phone number, you can reach me in that direction. Irwin is my dad's middle name, and that's why I chose it. Oh, wow, it. that's he's no crazy. Longer, he's no longer with us, and, um, and I I I, I you know I used it to set a legacy for him because he he did never get to see the game changing happen in me but wow. uh, he was always proud of me no matter what but boy I'll tell you what his 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 heart would be bursting out of his chest right now if he was <laughs> you know so I, I thought that's it I'm naming my company after my dad to carry on a legacy you know so Irwin was my dad's middle name and that's why it's Irwin Roofing well Amen. we'll see
0: what happens and we love you Richard and we'll we'll talk yes, to you Richard. At-
2: Yeah, I love you guys too, man. I appreciate this moment in time and I'm proud to share with you.
0: So I really liked what Richard had to say about how someone's game changing moment just might be the key that unlocks someone else's prison. I mean, let that sink in for just a minute. Just, I mean, just for a minute. It's always about, people always think things are about themselves, just like you were saying earlier, Norris, but it isn't. Sometimes what you're doing in your life has nothing to do with you and it's about someone else. And that's the whole reason we want this podcast to reach the people out there, to give people hope and let them know that the stories we share on this story I mean, that we are sharing on this podcast are, are here to help somebody. We have no idea who that person is. It might be you, might be someone you know that you can share this story with them. I just think that's just the coolest thing. miss an episode of the game changer podcast with norris and julie follow or subscribe to the show on spotify apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening currently
1: the game changer podcast is produced by hannah and monroe bell with music by dj overflow and graphics by andre harrell thanks again for listening we look forward to you joining us again for our next great conversation god bless